Welcome back to Geek Skeezers and Googleization, where we're always seeking better ways to challenge the status quo and help create an extraordinary future. I'm Ira Wolf. Today's episode is a special one. Instead of diving into a new conversation, we're going to step into a time machine. Over the past year, in addition to hosting over 100 Geek Skeezers and Googleization shows, I've had an opportunity to be a guest on dozens of other podcasts. Today, we'll revisit one of my favorite guest appearances. It's a chance to echo the insights and inspiration shared there, right here with Googleization Nation. I hope you'll enjoy listening as much as I did sharing my vision for the future of work. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine and in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 399 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Perhaps the only thing that's clear about the future is that it will involve a lot of uncertainty, disruption and change. As we've heard from all of my recent guests on the show, Talent acquisition transformation is now happening in ways we could not have predicted 18 months ago. So what can talent acquisition leaders do in 2022 to help their teams navigate an ever more volatile business landscape? My guest this week is Ira Wolf. Ira is president of Success Performance Solutions and a well-known author, speaker and commentator on the changing world of work. In our conversation, Ira shares some valuable perspectives on what employers can do to support their employees to make the behavioural changes needed to be effective in our new never normal. Hi, Ira, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, Matt. It's great to be here. Thanks very much. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Yeah, my name's uh, Ira Wolf. Uh, many, most, many people know me by a, t- a number of different things. One's including being a millennial trapped in a baby boomer body. Uh, the body absolutely feels like the baby boomer, but the millennial, maybe it should be even a Gen Z. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like I'm 20, 30 years old and, and not the baby boomer that I am. Um, but I have a company, Success Performance Solutions. We're in our 26th year. And uh, we work with companies, you know, helping them hire better. I know that you are a regular commentator on the market. You've written books. You're a keen observer of what is going on and what might be going to happen next. Very, very disruptive two years that we've been through, particularly when it comes to talent and recruiting in the bulk of 2021. Tell us about what you're seeing in the market and what you think is really going on. So... If we go back almost 21 years, uh, and some some of the listeners maybe have been around, uh, we were experiencing something similar. And and I, I came up with this title, The Perfect Labor Storm, if anybody remembers. The perfect storm was out there, and it was about the convergence of, of basically three systems that created uh, unprecedented uh, you know disruptions uh, in the weather. And certainly, we're seeing that on a more frequently and more intense basis today. So we're seeing this perfect labor storm, this convergence, and people like to point fingers. Oh, it's those darn millennials and Gen Z. I don't know why people are still talking about millennials because they're 40 years old, Uh, but people are. Uh, But people tend to deflect and they talk about 
all these different things like, oh, it's young people's work attitude. Uh, oh, it's childcare. Oh, in the U.S., it was unemployment benefits. Um, but, you know, reality is there's a lot of disruption going on. So we have, you know, we, we have a pandemic going on. We have climate change going on. We have economic disruption going on. We have terrorism. Um, there, there's all these things, but it affects people's mindset. We also have skill gaps um, in the U.S., uh, where you know a large portion of my audience is. Uh, we have uh, we we have a lack of childcare. We have problems with healthcare. All these things basically wean off people. Uh, from the workforce. Some are in, not capable of working. Some have other responsibilities. Uh, and there is just a, it, it all converged. And, and for those who think that the pandemic caused this, it didn't. It just pulled back a curtain on a failing hiring uh, or failing workforce infrastructure that has been building or crumbling, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, for decades. And, you know, 2021 exposed it and 2022 and 2023, by all indications, is going to, uh, you know, really even reveal more weaknesses uh, in, in how people hired in and, and how we trained and educated and developed a workforce for current day you know, challenges. I think that's such an interesting perspective and one that I totally agree with because it's, it's very much come up time and time again on the podcast and also in some of the other work that I've been doing, the, the research that I've been doing, it is really clear that the pandemic has just speeded up trends and, and things that were that were happening anyway and brought them brought them to a head. I suppose that leaves us in an interesting position because certainly a lot of the conversation around things like the skill shortages or the way that work is changing have been very much positioned in the short-term kind of emergency context. So we just have to get through the next few months. We just need a plan to take us through to the other side. But uh, and and also the longer that this that the longer that this goes on, it's very clear that we're not going back to some pretend normal that that used to exist. And and these are all long-term challenges that people have to deal with. What's your perspective in terms of? what our new normal might look like or how this might pan out and and particularly in terms of how employers need to think about this and react to it. That's a great question. I love talking about it now because that was the genesis of my book, uh, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. Uh, and it, which, which that book, by the way, started after my TED Talk, which was about making change work for you because I've, I, you know, I, I think about change all the time. Uh, and that was about VUCA. For those who aren't familiar with the term VUCA, it, it was a military phrase that's been developed and now adopted by business. And it stands for Volatile, Uncertain, Complex, and Ambiguous uh, is the acronym VUCA, V-U-C-A. And I, I don't think, I think 2020 and I don't, I don't think there was a, a better description. He just say 2020 and people would, you know, probably equate it with, with VUCA. Um, but that also is, was not a one-time event. It wasn't like the pandemic and we're going to cure the COVID and, and the, the idea of going back to normal doesn't exist. In fact, normal is our own perspective. Normal means we don't want to change it. We're addicted 
to change. Uh, human beings are addicted to change. There was a great uh, Harvard Business Review article just a few months ago when it talked about how the human brain is not wired for this level of uncertainty. And so the challenge is, is that we want to go back to the way our way it was. But for some people, that normal wasn't very good. Um, you know, if you were if you were making a lot of money, you had a great job, you were happy, you were satisfied, you were engaged, um, everything was going well. Certainly, you want to go back to that. But the majority of people weren't in that state. And if you look at even the level of work engagement, you know, we, we want to go back to normal. Well, normal was where less than thirty percent of all people, all workers, world globally, were engaged. Is that the normal we want to go back to? That seventy percent of people are disengaged. So it, it's sort of crazy to go back to that, but I, I have these three, what I call the three immutable laws of the future. And the first is, is that we're now living on an exponential curve uh, and things are going to change more f- faster, more frequently, a scope, you know, uh, in the U.S. just the other day, we, we, you know, just over the weekend, we had these massive tornadoes, you know, unprecedented uh, through the Midwest and it, it, it basically in the winter. Which never happen, which typically doesn't happen. More severe at night, um, you know, a lot of death, a lot of destruction, and climate change. You know, think whether that's related to climate change or not. I mean, we're having these events, and the year before we had wildfires, and and you know, we got rising sea levels. So uh, there's all this stuff that's continually to happen, and it's happening more frequently. So number one, we live on an exponential curve, and the best way I can describe exponential to people is that on the current rate of change, if you took all the events that happened over 12 months worldwide, no matter where you live, all the events that happened in 2020, uh, in 20 years, based on, an ex- the, on the anticipated uh, rate of change, uh, all those events would happen within three months. So for you know the dizzying pace uh, and, and how we felt last year, uh, with the living in, you know, what I call the never normal, the rate of change was going to be going from 12 months to three months. But if that continues by 2060, so 40 years from now, so if you're 30 years old when you're 70, uh, the rate of change is going to happen every 11 days. So that's a reality, you know, whether it's going to happen uh, universally or whether it's going to be some things that change faster and, and, and some slower. But we're going to be living on this curve. The second part is we're also living in a much more complex world. We're living in an age of complexity. So where things used to be pretty simple, if you did A, B happened, or even complicated, which means it was predictable. Complicated life was, um, it might have been more confusing, might have taken more work, harder work for us to figure things out. But basically, you know, you can, if something broke, you can replace a part. You just had to know how things worked. Complex means that there is really the there is no predictability uh, with complexity. There are patterns and there's trends, but there's also ambiguity because we don't know exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, uh, or even if we know what exactly is going to happen, we don't know when or how or what the in- intensity is, and we don't know if it'll be universal. So we have the we're living on this exponential curve. And we also are living in an age of complexity. And the third law is that humans suck at change. We're just not very good at it. And I mentioned that earlier. And that's science will tell you for for hopefully for the people who believe in science these days. Um, Science tells us we're just not very good at change, which means that we have to 
not only change what we do, but we have to change how we do it. And we don't like to do that. We like to have a, a quick fix, a uh, new piece of technology, um, a new technique, a new tool. Oh, let's get rid of that one person and we'll bring somebody else in. But we none of us want to change our behaviors. And, and that's that's worrisome. And that's going to continue. So what's in, you know, what's ahead in 2022, 23, and every year after that? Faster change, more complexity. And you know, the only thing that we can modify is how, you know, how we respond and react to change. And obviously, adaptability and, and behavior change is something that, that you focus on a lot. What would your advice be to employers listening in terms of how they can make change happen quicker within their organizations to be better placed to react to all the uncertainty that is, is, as you say, is only going to continue and accelerate in pace? So over the last few years, and and again, I've got to get credit to the people who do all the research on this. I'm I'm just the voice. I'm the messenger. uh, But I'm passionate about it. And and even when I wrote my book, the first half of it uh, was actually going to be a book about change. The the original title was when the shift, and I'll say this slowly, when the shift hits your plan. Um, And that that was going to continue. And the first half, uh, you know, actually, it could have been a standalone book, uh, about 150 pages, uh, was just about change, what the future of work was going to be. And then I decided you know, let me put it in the context, uh, especially since I was working with a lot of HR and a lot of uh, small businesses, uh, still do, uh, and and how, number one is how what the world was going to look at, and then two is how recruitment was going to change. So we can talk about that. But ultimately, what I realized is, is that we can come up with all the, the methodologies and the tools and the technologies and make all the changes that we want, but if we don't change people's behavior and mindset... So I, I started to work, you know, work with some organizations and do some research that were looking at how do we help people become better at, uh, you know, being comfortable, being uncomfortable uh, is probably the easiest way to explain it. And there was one organization actually based in the UK uh, called, uh, well, their, their proper name is Adapti. Um, or we, we have an assessment called the AQAI, which is Adaptability Quotient. And it, it identified 15 dimensions. Now, we don't have enough time to go into all 15, but there were, they were broken into what they call the ACE model, which was abilities, character, and environment. And the, uh, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on the abilities because those are the one thing that we as, as individuals can change and that companies can help people develop just like they would if it was a programming skill or a typing skill or an Excel skill. Uh, these are skills that people can learn. Uh, characters are personality and, and we're not looking to change personality, but we like everything else and especially with all, all the talk about emotional intelligence uh, and self-awareness, we need to just understand who we are, how we are, how, how do each of us respond to change either positively or negatively. And but ultimately, the the third is the E uh, on the ACE model stands for environment and company culture is incredibly important in helping make this happen. So for everybody that's listening out there, if you if you're a a leader in an organization, a manager, a supervisor, uh, you have to create an environment that is is um, conducive to that encourages that embraces uh, change. 
And how do you do that? Well, you can measure, does the, do the employees feel like they have your uh, have their back, which is company support? Do the people that they work with, do the people feel that they have their back? And, and this isn't anything that's new. This is, you know, engagement, in, employee satisfaction. Uh, you know, what's the, the, you know, we're talking a lot about employee experience now. So does the, does the employee feel that the company has their back? Does the do they feel that the team has their back? Is their emotional health, um, which is psychological safety? Do they feel it's safe to talk about their vulnerabilities, to be authentic, to be transparent, uh, to share what their concerns are, uh, to be able to make a mistake, not be perfect every time? Which because without mistakes you don't have innovation, nor do you have growth. So it measures company support, team support, emotional health. Do you have the right policies and procedures and things in place? That's work environment. And then finally is, uh, you know, being more attentive to the to stress involved with jobs. And there's some jobs that are more stressful than others, but uh, some are off the charts. And there's, you know, we're, we're experiencing the highest rate of burnout and mental mental illness uh, in, you know, in many countries, many developed countries, and I know in the UK and the US, we write about it all the time. And it's a big concern. So companies, leaders need to really take, pay more attention to the environment. And there's ways that you can now measure that just beyond the broad employee engagement, employee experience survey. But on the individual side, they identified five skills. And two of them, you're everybody's probably familiar with. One is grit. One's resilience. So grit is that old keep your head down. Just, you know, if you work harder, just focus, uh, just stick with it. Good things will happen. And that's true if we live in a linear world where nothing changes, where the environment never changes. But when things are constantly changing, if you keep your head down, you may end up in the place, you know, in the place you were intended, but it may not be a a good place uh, because everybody else shifted direction. Um, Resilience is the ability to to bounce back. We're going to need that as well. Regardless, we're still going to need grit. And we're going to need resilience. But if we keep bouncing back, uh, we also need to bounce back faster uh, because things are changing faster. And we don't have that luxury uh, of months or years sometimes to rebound. The, the problem with both of those, they just keep us heading in the same direction. And if you, you know, it's, it's attributed to many people, but if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, um, and expect a different result. That was the definition of insanity. And I know that's bastardized a bit, but that's, that's true. So they identified three other, uh, other abilities. Uh, one of them is growth mindset. Many people might be familiar with that. It's, it's the ability to, to it's, it's continuous learning, having an open mind, being willing to accept mistakes, um, not, not just say, you know, nobody's perfect, but to learn from those mistakes. Uh, so it, it goes beyond just uh, living with, you know, a life of, well, everybody makes mistakes. Nobody can't be perfect. That's true, but you need to learn from them. And the, the other value that gets overlooked with, with growth mindset is hope. If we don't have hope, if we don't think that the world can be a better place by, by even small changes every day, then people aren't going to change. And then it just becomes a dystopian you know, people are just living in despair. So growth mindset, we need to help people get out of that compared to a fixed mindset. We need to help people unlearn too. And that's, this is the biggest thing that's been, you know, research is showing is we, we talk about teaching people new skills, upskilling, reskilling, 
uh, or or even just young kids uh, or you know adolescents and young adults. Uh, a better education, more education. But the problem is, is that a lot of the things that have been taught, especially if you're a baby boomer like me, uh, no longer are true. They're no longer effective. And we need to learn and we need to unlearn. So we need to teach people how to unlearn, how to become better at giving things up and not feeling like they're quitting uh, at, at um, you know, to, in order to succeed. And the final one is, is really a challenge because it's mental flexibility. And mental flexibility is the ability to make sense of what's going on. So we have so much misinformation. We have so much ambiguity. There's so much advice out there. And we're not you know, we're, we haven't been very good at it. We wanted to be spoon fed. We wanted to be told what to do. Uh, and so how do you help people? How do you help people respond and, and react better? So one is grit and resilience. And we'll, I, I don't want to take those off the table because some people need help with those. But we to, to really get to the next level, we need to in, improve mental flexibility, growth mindset, and unlearning. You you can do that on an individual basis, but from an organization, you also have to create an organization that allows that, which was where we started with talking about the environment. So we look at the ACE model. Um, we're not, again, we're not looking to change the C, which is ca people's character and personality, but help. hopefully they understand that. Uh, I'm spending a lot of time helping, helping companies help their employees, uh, not only from a, from a pre-employment side, but from a development side. How do you help them uh, build their adapt abilities? Just to, to focus on one very specific area, re recruiting and talent acquisition, lots of change has been forced upon a lot of the people who are listening to the podcast in the, in the last 12 months because of circumstances. How do you think talent acquisition needs to adapt for the long term? What do you think recruiting looks like moving forward? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because it's a great tie and it brings it, it, brings it home. We, we talk about what needs to change. And usually if you say, well, what do you need to do differently? Or, or what are you doing differently in 2022? And, and most most of my clients or most of the people I talk to when I speak tend to talk about technology. Well, we're looking at a different ATS or we're adding more people or we're doing this. But nobody talks about the change in behavior. Everybody looks at the at at doing something and expect that something to make a difference. Um, we're, you know, we're experiencing globally, um, and but in the U.S., we're having record numbers of people quit their jobs and change jobs. Uh, we can talk about bonuses. We can talk about paying people more. We can talk about things that we do. But ultimately, in order to keep people in place, we need to change, you know, management needs to change their behavior and mindset. We talk about diversity and inclusion. Um, you know, to, to create a, or, or creating a better employment brand. Uh, or, and maybe one way to do that is having more diversity and inclusion. Maybe it's having equity. Uh, whatever we do is requiring us to not just do things, buy technology, change a strategy, uh, buy a company, whatever it is, is in order to integrate those, in order to make those things happen, Everybody has to change their mindset and their attitude and their behaviors. You you know, otherwise, we're, we're, it's like, well, if we have technology and we keep doing the things that way we do, yeah, you can do it faster and maybe you can do it better. 
Um, but the reality is, is that if you have bad practices or ineffective practices in place and you use more technology, um, you just fail faster. Uh, and again, and, and the hardest thing it is, it, it drives me crazy. It, it, it's most, most it's the most frustrating part of, of everything that I do that people just think that, well, we're investing in this new technology. And I'm a I'm a I'm a geek. I mean, I, I love technology. I use it. But the technology requires people to change their behaviors in order to use it effectively so that they're using it. They're automating what can be automated so they can they can spend more time being a better human being, having better interactions, having more interactions. Uh, and that's I, I just don't see that being done. And that that's the part that terrifies me about where companies are headed. There are some companies that are doing it right. Um, but the majority are just looking for, you know, they, they want an aspirin and, and you know, and a Band-Aid and hopefully it goes away tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, that is still a, a massive issue when it comes to particularly recruiting technology, that people are looking for that silver bullet to solve their problems and, and not necessarily thinking about thinking about everything around it. I mean, it is, from what I see, it is getting better, but it is still a massive, massive issue. Yeah, I work with, and, and you know, again, when you're working with large organizations, organizations, uh, enterprise organizations, you know, tens of thousands of people, uh, or that doesn't have to be that it could be just thousands of people, uh, then they tend, you know, that group, which is a lot of the people who get surveyed, seem to be making the changes. I work with primarily, now I do work with a few large companies, but I also work primarily with mostly with small, medium sized businesses. And they're really struggling. They're they're struggling day to day. They're struggling to make this over. Uh, and you would think, you know, because smaller companies are a little bit more nimble, um, you, you know, you, they don't have to turn around the battleship on a dime. They they can do it pretty quickly. But sometimes they don't have the resources or the manpower to do it. Uh, but, you know, every organization is going to have to uh, to figure this out and do it pretty quickly because the ex, you know, going back, I mean, the exponential is not going away. I mean, it never has in the history of mankind because that's also progress. Uh, and, and that just brings up a point, Matt, um, that I know people, there's probably a few people out there that go, technology is the problem, you know, millennials the problem, Gen Z is the problem. But when they, they look at uh, 2020, it's that we can't wait to get back to, you started out this way, we can't get, wait to get back to normal. Let's get back to the office. But if we roll the clock back, let's say 10 years, not, which isn't that long. So we go back to 2020, 20, uh, uh, or, or 2010, 2011, and imagine the pandemic occurring then, what the world would have been like. And there are so many people talking about Zoom fatigue and working remote. Well, that was an asset. That saved probably millions of lives and hospitalizations. It could have been so much work that worse. If we 10 years ago had this pandemic, then the choices would have been not to let in the, and again, I know the U S numbers based, but I know UK and you know most developed countries were very similar is that in the U S 30 million people lost their job on a temporary basis. And but there were still 110 million people working every day because they could work remote. Without technology, we wouldn't have been able to do that. And so people would have either just been out of work or would have had to show up in their workplace 
and be exposed. And that would have been, I mean, that would have been much more tragic than it already is. We already have, a, a, even doing it somewhat okay, uh, we had, you know, 800, more than 800,000 people. It's probably going to be well over a million before, and I won't say it's all over, but before we get it under control. Um, so that's the one, you know, so that's huge. We also wouldn't have had a vaccine. You know, and I know, again, I'm just saying as much as we complain about technology, technology saved us because traditionally it took, you know, almost 10 years to develop a vaccination uh, for something. And we, in less than a year, mRNA, mRNA which is how Pfizer and Moderna and, and, and variations of some of the other ones that were developed, was only done through technology, the use of technology. So, you know, technology helps when it's used properly, and but it requires a different mindset. And I don't get it when people are just bashing all the technology, and I can't wait to go back to all this in person. And we do need in person. We're human beings. We need personal contact. Um, but we need to we le- we need to learn how to rely on technology when we need it, because there's a whole lot of benefits that come from that. And if we can free up some of our time through technology and live healthier lives, and actually one is live because there are vaccines, but live a higher, live longer, higher quality lives, then, um, you know, we have more time to interact with other people and do that well. That leads me on nicely to my final question. I'm not going to ask you to predict what's going to happen next year, because that would seem slightly crazy in the context of what we've been talking about. But what do you hope to see happen in 2022? If we were talking again in a year's time, how would you have liked the year to have panned out? Yeah, I I love that question, because my answer, I'll give you the short answer to my, uh, to the first part is, is what do I think is going to happen? And it's a it's a little bit of a pun on on my book when the shift hits your plan and it's about I think it's going to be a shift a shift show I got to say that slowly um, we're just going to see continue shift and people are going to be struggling and and you know we're talking with an economist on my podcast this week and every indication is is that that uh, it's it's going to be a much more difficult struggle to keep people, to find people, to grow, to innovate. But if you do things right, if, if you make the changes and you start working on it, the bar is so low uh, in, in kind of talent acquisition and talent retention that you don't have to be perfect, but if you're better than you were and you're doing the right things and you're headed in the right direction and you're recognizing that it is going to be much more challenging and it's it's not going to pass, then you, those companies, I think, are going to have great years. I think they're going to start to, it's never going to be easy to find all the, uh, the all the people you want and keep everybody that you want, um, but it's going to be, get better. And so, it's a long way around. The other part of the question is, what do I think is going to happen? Um, you know, what would I like to see happen? And what I'd like to see happen is that more companies recognize that the world's going to be different. And most importantly, they help the workers. They help their employees uh, respond and react They because that's going to be invaluable. The, if you learn how to respond and react and change and have more grit, more resilience, have a more open mindset, un, willingness to unlearn, those are life skills. And that not only helps you have better employees and being able to attract and retain people, 
but they're going to have more loyalty and they're going to feel better about themselves. I mean, if, if we don't have, uh, people are, I mean, the, the, the amount of skepticism, pes- pessimism, despair that people are feeling is really tragic. And if you can give people a little ray of hope, um, that's worth that. That's the biggest pay, you know, that that's the best compensation and benefit you can possibly give. So companies have to figure out how to become better at that. So at the end of next year, that's my wish that companies recognize that, that, that people are, you know, that their workers are human beings and they need help. And one way to help them is, is help them become more comfortable being uncomfortable. Ira, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you very much, Matt. It's a pleasure and happy new year. My thanks to Ira Wolf. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. Thanks for watching Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization. Be sure to listen to the podcast and follow us on YouTube.